The views and opinions expressed on coffee and compatibility are those of the podcast host and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Ashi. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coffee and Compatibility. I'm Kelly Hitchman, and with me, as always, is the wonderful Dr. Eric Weimer. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Doing all right, boss. How are you? Um, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So March is Women's History Month, and it's also the month that ushers in the spring. March is the month that rescues me from Texas winter. Okay. First of all, I love spring, but what is Texas winter? It's pretty much spring everywhere else. Is it spring light? Is that what we're talking about? Like spring junior? Yeah, that could be a good way, a good way of describing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like low fifties, thirties in the evening. Oh no. Oh, you might need a sweater or a light jacket. It's scandalous there. I mean, so I can't really, we don't really get that much worse of a winter here in North Carolina. A couple of days, maybe a week or two. That'd be really, really cold. We actually got snow a couple of times, which made my son super excited. Oh, I bet. Sledding, man, it was awesome. I bet. Yeah, we, we have only, we had snow last year. We had snow last year. And so my children got to play in that, but that's like a, like a, 30 year event here. So they just get it once and that's their childhood. Just that, that once. So I don't know if I sound uh, any clearer to you, but I'm just going to, just going to put it out there that my, my, my tech over here, my audio on my end has, has been cruddy for the last couple episodes. And so hopefully you can hear me now because Mandy made us both like super fancy. We have brand new audio equipment thanks to our illustrious executive producer, Mandy Cruz and um, Ashi. Yes. Thank you very much for all for, for that. And I'm so glad Kelly acknowledged it because we were about to have an intervention. I have no pride. pride. I I feel like we've revealed a lot about ourselves and these episodes we've done. Oh yeah. We get, we get super deep. We get super deep, but I know that our two very special guests for today's episode will greatly appreciate the enhanced audio equipment. Um, so we're, we're going to get to who those two guests are in just a minute. But first, uh, we want you to take a listen to this very important message. The ASHI Proficiency Testing Program has served laboratories in the United States and around the world for the past 19 years, providing more than 25 countries with clinically-based proficiency testing samples. The ASHI-PT program provides proficiency testing for both ASHI-accredited and CAP-accredited laboratories. All ASHI-PT surveys are graded using established criteria with oversight by ASHI's Proficiency Testing Committee. Laboratories subscribing to ASHI's PT program appreciate the user-friendly software and the high-quality educational content provided in the performance and summary reports. If your laboratory has not participated in ASHI's PT program recently, please take a look at the PT brochure located on the PT page of the ASHI website, www.ashi-hla.org. 
On today's show, we'll be talking with representatives from Ashi's government relations firm, Wheat Schroyer Government Relations. Ms. Julie Schroyer has a master's degree in social work from the University of Michigan and more than 33 years of federal health policy experience and service on Capitol Hill as a committee staff and as senior positions in the nonprofit and private sector. She is the president and CEO of Wheat Schreiber Government Relations. And with her is also Mr. James Fleischman. Mr. James Fleischman received a law degree at the University of Alabama and gained his Tennessee and Washington DC bar licensure. He currently serves as the vice president of Wheat Schreiber Government Relations. Please welcome Ms. Schreiber and Mr. Fleischman. May we call you Julie and James? Sure. Awesome, well, thank you guys for coming on with us today. So Julie and James, as, uh, as members of Wheat Schroyer Government Relations, we're really excited to have you on because you work closely with Ashi, but I would guarantee that the vast majority of our listenership had no idea that Ashi worked with a government relations firm or maybe doesn't understand what that entails. Um, but before we get to all of that, I would love to know, since you, Julie, um, have originally a master's degree in social work and you, James, have a law degree, what motivated each of you to go into government relations? Really, it, it wasn't a choice. It sort of was an occurrence. Um, I honestly didn't even know there was such a thing as a government relations professional. And I really got exposed to public policy through my graduate work at the University of Michigan. I got an opportunity to spend my last semester in Washington working in public policy for a nonprofit association. And they had me going up to Capitol Hill and attending congressional hearings and reporting back to their members on policy issues that matter to them. I found that I was living my high school government and history experience. I thought it was so exciting to learn about national policymaking. And so I thought I'd stay a year or two. And I ended up working on Capitol Hill. And fast forward, I've been here over 30 years. It, I, I just fell in love with it by accident. And it was like a whole world opened up to me. And I really credit um, my stats professor at the University of Michigan who encouraged me to apply for this internship and it, it was life-changing. Great, and so uh, James Fleischman here, so so great to uh, to be with you all today. You know, I, I, I grew up around this stuff, right? So from a young age, I've just always been around politics and policy, um, you know, going to campaign events as a child, but then I've always been around Washington, D.C. too. Um, I studied political science in undergrad at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, um, and I participated uh, in a fellowship with a think tank in Washington, D.C. at the time. Uh, and then I went to law school subsequently at the University of Alabama, knowing that I wanted to do more public policy focused work than what some folks might consider you know, more traditional legal work, right? Litigation, uh, corporate law and the like. Uh, and so each of my three summers of law school, I spent in Washington, D.C. In, in a certain policy capacity, one of which was was with Julie. Um, and I've really just worked to hone my skills uh, ever since and uh, really gotten a passion for, for this type of work and um, just really have a, a fundamental belief in shaping good sound policy and, and fortunate to be with a, a firm in Wheat Troyer Government Relations where, where we really believe in the, in the work that, that our clients do as well. And, and Ashi is 
really a, a shining example of that. That's awesome. I mean, both of you have such sort of distinct backgrounds. And, you know, I was fortunate in my scientific background to do a, a public policy fellowship um, along my career path. And, you know, I found it interesting, my very, very brief visit to Capitol Hill and talking with lawmakers and their um, staff about healthcare and healthcare policy and medicine. You know, I'm curious with, with your vast experience that you two have, you know, what's one of the sort of most interesting aspects that maybe you've seen or come across as you've, you know, done your respective jobs? It's a great question, Eric. Uh, it's, it's um, one, I love meeting people. And so that's just fantastic. It's all about relationships. And I also feel strongly that I can only work on issues that I really believe in. And I think that's where James spoke about how much, what an honor it is for us to partner with Ashi because the incredible work that you all do that often goes unnoticed. You know, you're, you're in the lab, you're not out in front and, um, and incredible things you're doing for patients and families. So I think for me, it's, it's getting the opportunity to help bring voices like your members uh, to policymakers and help sort of do education. A lot of times I consider myself more of an educator and an advocate. And we do a lot of problem solving. Sometimes it's preventing bad policy from moving forward because they didn't realize that there was an unintended consequence. And other times it's being very proactive and um, making good policy uh, that needs to happen. And, and so it's every day is a new day and brings a new challenge. And I, I think what I love is that there's no two days alike and that we work, we consider our work in the public service arena and we really work on issues and with organizations that, that are, share our values and that we really wanna help, ad, um, help advance their agenda. So it's, it's, I just feel lucky to do what I do. I, that's very long-winded. <laughs> there you go. I can just piggyback on that briefly. You know, it's it's really, um, you know, it it it's amazing that uh, to have a seat at the table. I mean, these are really important conversations. Um, it's great to help clients have a seat at the table when we're talking about shaping federal policy, both legislation and and, and regulatory changes that have a real world impact on on you all um, and the patients that your your work goes to benefit. Um, and so that's something that uh, you know is, is has always been um, really some uh, a benefit. Um, that uh, I, I think is a, a real privilege to be able to, to participate in. And then, you know, just briefly, I, you know, I, I'm an advocate first. I love advocacy. I use my legal training and experience toward, towards that effect. And, um, you know, it's, it's our job to um, take issues and convey the impact that federal policy has uh, on, on Ashi Labs, for example, and communicate that effectively to lawmakers and members of Congress um, to communicate it in a way that that's going to speak to them and resonate with them and help them understand the impact that that has on their constituents. Um, and so that's just, um, it, there's an art to it. Um, and, and fortunately, you know, Ju Julie and I and the rest of the team at We Troyer Government Relations have been able to do it together for a long time. Um, but that's, that's just something that uh, I, I really enjoy about what we're able to do. No, that very well said from, from both of you. And, you know, I really appreciate the fact of, you know, each of us brings something unique to the table and something that, you know, we've said before, 
Kelly and I is, you know, Ashi is a, a community and a family at large. And so, you know, we haven't really had the opportunity to say welcome to the family. So should take that opportunity to say welcome. And we are absolutely thrilled to have you as partners in this sort of patient advocacy and, you know, ultimately working together. Um, and so, so thank you for all of that. And I do, as an aside, how do you ever get used to being on Capitol Hill in all of that, like, environment and circumstance that's there? Because it's, like, super overwhelming. When I was there, like, the walls are huge and it's all marbly. So do you get used to it? I, I actually never do. Walking the halls of Congress and really soaking it all in, you'd think that you do it long enough and, you know, you're in these in and around these buildings every day taking these meetings. But I, I, I got to tell you, uh, for, for me, no, it's it's. Uh, again, really consider it a privilege. And, and yeah, I think it's, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing experience. If you're an advocate, uh, I, I know Eric, you said you've, you've done it at least once and hopefully we can get you back again, in some additional capacities. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it, it is, it is really um, a, a remarkable thing to be able to do. I, I echo what James said. It, it's a privilege. It is confusing to a newcomer. It is a bit overwhelming. Uh, and you're right, you gotta wear comfortable shoes because those marble floors will kill you. <laughs> and so it's funny, cause I always tell people bring sensible shoes. You're gonna be doing some serious walking. But it's also, like I said, it, it takes you back to your high school government and realizing this is our process that's in place that you have a voice, you have an elected official in the House of Representatives and you have two United States senators and you're a constituent and they're there to represent you and your interests and your community. And so to take that message to them, you know, I, I just love bringing people with me and, and introducing them um, to the process. And sometimes I get lost, um, but there's the, the Capitol Police are at all the entrances and I've learned to befriend them all. And you just, they, they help you find your way. <laughs> So I think that the American Society of Histocompatibility and Immunogenetics might be quite a unique client. I, I'm sure that all of your clients have very unique needs. So how specifically do you work with um, the society to help them learn? Um, you, you guys are liaisons, you're educators, um, you're informers. Um, how, how do you help Ashi stay in touch with what they need to know versus what is completely not relevant. Yeah, th thanks, Kelly. And I, I'll say, you know, when when our relationship began, you know, back in back in 2018, there were two primary um, policies that, uh, you know, sort of brought us to the point where we said we need to we need to engage government relations professionals. Um, and those two same issues, and I know we'll get into the Valid Act a little bit later today, but second of which is, is lab reimbursement through PAMA, right? It was uh, the Protecting Access to Medicare Act. It was a 2014 law um, and really um, uh, led to some misguided and, and severe cuts to, to laboratory reimbursement. Um, we have been working on those issues since we've started working together and, and, and still are. There's been some um, continued developments on that front that's uh, certainly kept us busy. But, you know, beyond that, you know, we're really your eyes and ears on the ground in Washington. And uh, for example, there's a lot of regulatory proposals um, that come down the pike that we need to pick up on and we flag with Ashi. Um, the NCAC often gets involved. 
and we addressed them. One of which, for example, was when CMS proposed to end the national coverage determination for, for HLA testing, for histocompatibility testing. We got involved. We helped Ashi put together comments on this, say, no, this is misguided. This is something that shouldn't go through. And we were successful in, in getting CMS to back off of that. So as Julie alluded to earlier, a lot of it's defense. We want to look for more offensive opportunities going forward. Unfortunately, there's been a, a lot of um, defense to be played in, in the laboratory space writ large the past few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's sort of longstanding issues that we work on on a daily basis, but the new issues do come up as well. And, and we work with Ashi to tackle those as they come as well. Now, I think that's really good to know. In a very, very short period of time, um, you have been absolutely uh, necessary and vital um, to Ashi being able to put a voice um, on the Hill and get some really important things uh, changed or, or uh, done more, more appropriately. Uh, so that's really important. And you threw out some really important things there. Uh, you mentioned the NCAC. So our listeners may or may not know that ASHI has a collaborative body called the uh, National Clinical Affairs Committee that um, meets quarterly and um, gets a lot of feedback from you very, very regularly on what's going on, what things we might need to comment on or collaborate on. And that partnership has been vital to really navigating what is for people that don't have any government relations experience, really, really difficult waters. Um, so thanks for explaining all those things. Really, really neat stuff that you've done in the last couple of years. And maybe let's dig in more um, to a couple of the things that you mentioned there. Uh, maybe our listeners had no idea that there was a thing called the Valid Act, or maybe they don't know what that is. Uh, could you give us a, a synopsis of what the Valid Act is? You know, one of the things, um, the word valid is an acronym. A lot of times when they come up with bill titles, they try to get fancy. And so I'm going to first tell you what the actual bill stands for, because some of your listeners may not know, it's the Verifying Accurate Leading Edge IVCT Development or Valid Act. This is legislation uh, that most recently was introduced um, last summer. It was introduced in, on June 24th um, in both the Senate and the House. So there are two different bills that we're working on for ASHI. Uh, the Senate bill was introduced by Senator Burr from North Carolina, <clears throat> Senator Bennett from Colorado, and Senator Braun from Indiana. Um, the bill number is S2209. And in the House, the bill was introduced by Congresswoman Diana DeGette, also of Colorado, and uh, Congressman Larry Bouchon of Indiana, who happens to be a physician. And the House bill number is HR4128. And one of the things that we tried to do was get in front of these offices before the bill was introduced. We knew that it was coming and we knew that ASHI had specific interests. And in the end, I think the bill was introduced on the 24th of June. We ended up having a meeting with ASHI leadership and those offices around the 29th of June, James, I remember it was within a week of the bill introduction. And then we followed up uh, several weeks later and worked um, with your leadership on a response, a written response to them. 
And this bill is still active. And so it's something we're still tracking closely. I'll let James go into a little bit more detail on some of the issues that we were focused on in the Ballot Act, because it's, it's major legislation. And there's a few pieces that are very unique to, to ASHI. Thanks, Julian. We operate with acronyms in Washington, D.C., and that was a, a heck of a one for, for this bill. But we also uh, use quite a bit of Hill speak. So um, feel free to ask for any clarification. Um, at risk of filibustering the remainder of the show, though, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, th this, this, at the heart of this issue is basically whether or not lab-developed tests will be regulated, continue to be regulated under CLIA by CMS or by FDA. Um, now, I don't know how familiar the audience is, but FDA has essentially claimed they have jurisdiction over LDTs for decades, right? They've exercised enforcement discretion. Um, and, and essentially, they've been solely regulated under under CLIA. And when you well, say past, LDTs, you mean laboratory developed tests? Yes, I do. So laboratory any test developed. you do that doesn't follow manufacturer's instructions? Correct. Yeah, the test kits that you all are modifying, ab absolutely, uh, for use in a single laboratory. Um, and and so. Basically, FDA has really ramped up their efforts in the past decade to try to assert jurisdiction over these tests. And this actually came up, uh, there was a lot of attention given to it during the COVID-19 pandemic, because while FDA says, okay, we're going to exercise enforcement discretion, we are going to still require emergency use authorizations or EUAs for, for LDTs during the pandemic. So the administration switched positions on this a couple of times. Basically, to not bore you with the details, Congress has basically said, okay, we're going to get involved and we're going to write legislation and we're going to settle this jurisdictional dispute. And this effort's been in place for a while now, uh, dating back, I want to say the first iter iteration was uh, closer to 2015 now. Um, so this proposal has been out there for a while. Now, basically what this legislation would do, the Valid Act, is it would place all LDTs, all in vitro diagnostics, including LDTs, under FDA's jurisdiction. So CLIA would continue to regulate lab operations and the validity, the clinical validity of the test would be regulated under, under FDA, under a new category called IBCTs, which, which Julie mentioned earlier, in vitro clinical tests. What ASHI has been advocating for years now is that Histocompatibility testing, HLA tests, continue to solely be regulated under CLIA. We basically said, look, FDA doesn't have the expertise, the wherewithal, even the manpower to be able to do this. Um, and the original version of this bill, it was called the Diagnostic Accuracy and Innovation Act, actually had a carve out for HLA testing. It was not subject to it. The latest iteration, which has FDA input, basically they switched the entire framework up. Um, does not have an exemption for HLA or any other testing for that matter. So we have been making the case since, and I, I would just like to laud the NCAC and ASHI leadership. Dr. Medhat Oscar has testified behind closed doors with Congress and the agencies on this front. Um, Dr. Annette Jackson has been really vital in helping formulate these responses. So ASHI has been really critical in providing the input. Basically, what we've said is, your field of testing is so unique and highly regulated as it is that it's not appropriate to be under FDA's jurisdiction, right? So we've tried to lay out the layers of regulation that are in place and say, look, this does not make sense. Because of the approach that Valid takes, basically the government is saying, these are, it's a risk-based classification. 
they're saying that HLA testing is high risk test on a scale. We agree with that. We say, listen, this is important testing. Um, you know, talking about donor compatibility, this is very serious. Um, but we've said we acknowledge that. But basically, there is such an, a robust oversight regime between ASHI, UNOS, FACT, and MDP, depending on the field of transplant, um, that that we think that makes sense. So keep an eye out. There's we expect, anticipate some action on this this year. So um, I, I know we're running tight on time here, but hopefully that provides a, a helpful overview. Um, if you all uh, check out Ashi on the Hill, uh, Julie and I do write an article for that. And we do provide updates on this front and we'll continue to. So please do um, be on the lookout for additional uh, updates on this front, but know that we're, we're working really hard on it. That was, that was great, James and Julie. Thank you very much for that uh, information and feedback. You know, and I mean, I think it's so interesting to see the dynamics of how it occurs, you know, in such the, in, within the government and how it impacts what we do, you know, individually in our own labs and, you know, how the combining of our expertise, you know, will ultimately, you know, lead to some, some movement one way or the other. So thank you both for the time and those uh, excellent answers. Thank you both. That was great. I know I came away from this having a, such a deeper understanding of what the Valid Act is and how it could potentially impact our clinical lab practices in the future. Uh, thank you guys for all you do and for being our eyes and ears on the Hill. Really our pleasure and privilege. Thank you so much for inviting us today. Thank you very much. OMG, Hitchman. How awesome was that? That was awesome. It was acronym awesome. They, I feel like such a kindred spirit with anybody else who uses acronyms like the ASHI community does, and they do. They, I know. I noticed that, and I need to applaud James and Julie for their efficient use of acronyms. And I did think that they had a lot, they did very clearly explain what is one of the most complex legislation to come forward for our field in like a really, really long time, right? Describing what the Valid Act is and what it does and means for our community was most of that I didn't know myself. Um, so I really appreciate them taking, taking that time. Yeah, they did a great job. And I think it's really valuable for the listeners to know, too, that not only do they spend their valuable time, you know, listening in, getting the information, educating the ASHI community and the National Clinical Affairs Committee on what's going on on the Hill, they've actually undertaken a new supportive role um, where they're helping our new ASHI scholars. Um, for the first time uh, this year, um, we have two uh, members of the ASHI community that are actually learning from Julie and James uh, about the goings on on the Hill. They're learning how to speak to issues uh, on the Hill that are relevant to ASHI. They're learning to write public comment. Um, and that's Mary Philogene and Rebecca Upchurch, I believe, are our current ASHI scholars on the Hill. Who's, whose idea was that, Eric, that scholars on the Hill thing? Where'd that come from? Who came up with that? It was it was a gentleman's idea. Was it you? Was it? It may have been. That might it have may been have you. been. I think that was another brilliant Eric Weimer idea. Well, thank you, Doctor Hitchman. I I mean, so the backstory is that I actually think that it's in a really important role 
And that's why we really wanted to have them on to educate and make aware the ASHI members that this is available because, you know, we're all in a position that we are the experts for our field, whether you're a director or you're a staff member, you are an expert in what you do. And these are people who can sort of connect you with your representation in our government to have a voice. Um, you may think that your opinion doesn't matter to these people, but they are your elected officials and they are, their job is to uh, listen to their constituents. And, you know, these are people who can educate you on that process. I've done it in a, in a past life. I had the opportunity to work with uh, people like Julian James and talk with my representatives. And they were very open to hearing what we have in it's eye-opening from both sides, um, being able to talk about what we do and the value we represent to the field, not only as directors and medical technologists, but how we are directly impacting access to organs, quality of those outcomes for patients. And, you know, it's just such a good partnership. And so I would encourage anyone to reach out to, you know, any of us, either Julie or James or some of the ASHI leadership to ask questions and we will we will get you some information thank you so much for listening everybody see you next month